Hey everyone, welcome to today's Take Heart. Hope you're doing all right. Where do we find courage from? That's the question that I want to try and answer today. Where do we find courage? I think there is a place for looking deep inside ourselves to find courage, but I actually think for me, um, most of my courage, and certainly um, during this season, most of my courage is coming from and being found in the fact that I'm not doing this by myself. That there are people who um, I'm on the I'm doing this in relationship with basically even if I'm having to be isolated distanced from them um, there are people who who love me who I love who know me who I know who we're doing the journey together and we can lean on each other and we can be there for each other and get up again to start another groundhog day um, you know for the sake of each other and for the sake of keeping going so I tend to find a lot of my courage comes from um, others and if that is true of people that we're doing this particular journey and season of life with, how much greater should that be true and can that be true when we remind ourselves of who it is we're doing the whole journey of life with, of course, with Jesus himself. And I keep um, coming back to, or at least I have in the last couple of weeks, some of the classic stories about storms in the scripture. And I know we'll have heard these a million times throughout the last 10 months and probably rightly so. Um, but I, I was just reading again the story from Mark chapter 4. I know many of us would have heard it before, but let me, uh, let me just read it. This is from the NRSV. It says this. A great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. I don't know if you feel like you're already being swamped right now. But he was in the stern, this is Jesus, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And then this is the bit that really jumped out at me. It says, And they were filled with a great awe and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And that their fear, which was just a few minutes earlier for their lives, becomes almost transformed into this awe that they have of Jesus in the middle of the calm, in the wake of the storm. And I know that the storm that we're in the middle of is very much ongoing. Um, but just even just for a few minutes, to even if it's just the five, ten minutes of take heart, take some calm, take a moment of calm. And let's ask ourselves in this calm again, let's really ask ourselves... Um, not just go through motions, but actually ask ourselves the question, who is this who is in the storm with me? Even though I feel like I'm almost being swamped a lot of the time, who is it who's with me in the storm? And for the disciples in this moment, it, it's almost like they have this um, fresh insight into the might and the majesty and the supremacy of Jesus. They, they would have been familiar with Psalms um, that sung of God having kind of sovereign authority over the, the sea, which for the Jews represented not just physical sea, but also kind of the forces of evil and the forces of chaos. And there are multiple Psalms that talk about God as creator stilling waves that are out of control. And then they see this, uh, this happening right in front of their eyes and Jesus obviously being kind of ordering it. And it's as if they get this moment of insight that fills them with awe that they are the one who is with them is the, the Lord of the universe. 
And we have almost additional benefits when compared to the disciples as we consider what the fact that God made the heavens with a word and therefore can calm a sea with a single word as well. What that means that he created everything because science um, gives us insight into the layers of the, the universe that we're a part of. I don't remember many photos that I'm shown, but I do remember one that I was shown a number of years ago now called the pale blue dot. And this photo was taken by a spacecraft that was sent off. It left Earth in 1977 and it was sent to take photos of the different planets in the solar system. And just as it made it to the edge of our solar system, 13 years later, in 1990, they turned it around and it took one final image of Earth that it then sent back. And uh, th this image of Earth, normally when we see photos of Earth from space, it's kind of like a marble. It looks a bit like a blue marble with some green on it and some clouds and stuff, and it looks very beautiful. But this image is taken from four billion miles away, the, the very outer reaches of our solar system. And so the photo is basically mainly black, and then there's this like almost shaft of sunlight is what it looks like. And then suspended in the shaft of sunlight is a tiny little speck earth and this astronomer who was around at the time commented on this and he said just think about it that like everyone who has ever lived their life all the movers and shakers all the so-called superstars every young couple in love every mother every father all the supreme leaders those who have built great civilizations that have then crumbled again everyone who has ever lived their life lived out on this tiny moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. That makes me feel small. And it gives us this insight into the vastness of the cosmos. Like science again tells us that there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on the earth. That's how vast it is. Our tiny little planet orbits one average sized star among hundreds of billions. And the scripture says, he measures it all by the span of his hand. He made it all with the word of his mouth. And the disciples in that boat on Lake Galilee, it's as if they had this insight into the authority of Jesus, the might of Jesus, the supremacy of Jesus, the sovereignty of him. And they were filled with awe. But here's the other part of it. They also, uh, and it must have occurred to them, uh, also they knew he was their mate. He was their friend. And, uh, you know, they walked around the lanes of Galilee with him and they ate lunch with him and they went to wedding parties with him. And they, uh, you know, they joked with him and he told them stories and he listened to them. And, you know, they spent so much time with him. I mean, five minutes earlier, just before this happened, five minutes earlier, he was just snoring on a pillow at the back of the boat. This is their friend. And they would have known how deeply he cared for them. And we can know that and we do know that in the same way today, because that's what the Bible shows us, that he's interested in us, that he listens to us. That he loves us and cares for us so much that he chose us before he ever made the cosmos, the universe, before the first star was ever born. He already had us um, picked out. That he formed us in the womb, that he knows the hairs on our heads and the words on our tongues. He, he loves us. 
He delights in us, the Bible says. And this isn't just words. This is, this is, this is action. He shows it by becoming one of us, Jesus, by dying for, for us on the cross, um, by, by inviting us into everlasting life with him, to be with us, you know, to be with him forever, by never leaving us, by being with us through the power of his Holy Spirit. It's more than just words. He's our friend. And whilst he is unimaginable in his might, he's also unsurpassed in his kindness. And so they're there and they have this moment of, who is this in my boat? And they get to get to sort of, I suppose, answer that question as they mutter to themselves, he's the one who's sovereign. He's the one who's king over all things. He's, he's the one who has all authority and he's my friend. He's my friend. And he's the one who's in charge. And courage comes, hope rises, and joy follows on swiftly, I think. Not when we look deep down inside ourselves to try and sort ourselves out, but when we lift our eyes to him and we fix our attention upon him. And we just ask ourselves again the question, who is it who's with me? When we meditate on the Messiah and we rejoice in the Redeemer and we savour the Saviour, when we just enjoy being with Jesus, what we find is that hope and courage and joy follow. Take some time, if you can today, find some calm in the storm, just to pause and to ask yourself and remind yourself, who is it who's with me?